Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 135 in Edmonton. Portions of Oilers Now brought to you by World Floor Carvings. Tell them Oilers Now sent you. Receive two times the air miles on your flooring purchases at World Floor Carvings, where they know a lot about hockey and a lot about flooring. Well... Game five tonight between the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. We just had Al May on the show out of uh, Washington talking about the Capital Series with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we bring aboard Louis DeBrusque from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Louis was uh, stuck in transit yesterday. He's been kind enough to join us for six or seven minutes right now. Lou, how you doing? Doing pretty good, bud. Yep, planes, trains, and automobiles yesterday. So a little bit of a... A rodeo to get to uh, Vegas, but uh, it all turned out well. And yeah, sorry I couldn't uh, join you. I was unfortunately in security. They don't take too kindly when you have your phone out and you're talking on the way it, it's through airport securities. Even when you're Louis so, DeBrusque, even when you're the size yeah, no. you are, right? But uh, hey, I, I got to ask you this: uh, You're up top in Ve- in in uh, San Jose. Are you at ice level in Vegas? Yeah, down at ice level in Vegas, and up in the press box in San Jose. And, so a little bit of a different uh, different feel in both both situations, but uh, you know, good on San Jose. You know, they they found a way to win game number four. I think that was a huge pivotal game for them. And uh, after a hard fought loss, where Carlson scored a, a perfectly shot yeah. um, goal in game three, they came out and that was the best performance by San Jose. And they really did control the game right from the start to the finish. And that's you know, we haven't seen a team do that against Las Vegas yet. Uh, in the playoffs, uh, I've seen every game that they've played, and that was the first time that a team came out and was able to do that for 60 minutes. Typically, Vegas will have a pushback, will go really force a team's hand and, and get themselves back in the games, but they really didn't have an answer, and uh, I'm expecting one from them in Game 5 tonight. I think that they'll, this is where they play their best at home. This is where they have the most energy. They have their fans behind them, and uh, this will be... Um, as all the games have been a real good one, and I think Vegas should probably come on and have a better start because that's the area, I think, where they've been faltering a little bit in the series. Louis, Peter DeBoer has been the head coach now for San Jose for uh, three full seasons. They went to the Stanley Cup final the first year. Uh, the Oilers took them out last year in six, and I think Edmonton had a better team than San Jose last year, and I don't want to take anything away from the work that the Oilers coaching staff did because that was a factor in it as well. I thought the Sharks were going to be done. I thought they were going to be dead in the water this year. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to underestimate them uh, again. It, it, just like I don't underestimate Vegas. I took Vegas to win the series because I was tired about picking against Vegas. But it's got to be stated, Peter DeBoer has done a good job with that hockey club because they have transitioned some younger players into the mix there, and they they remain a playoff-caliber team. Well, it's amazing. They're very similar teams. And I think, you know, when you look at what happened with San Jose, with Patrick Marlowe going to the Toronto Maple Leafs, Joe Thornton going down and missing the the, final, the second half of the season, what it really forced DeBoer to do was to mix up his line combinations and put different people in different situations. And, you know, last year, you and I covering the Oilers San Jose series, we saw Nalco Carlson up on the first line. Yeah. We saw him jump up and down. But he's been on the fourth line this whole series, this whole playoffs. 
So they've really spread the wealth out. Timo Meyer, another young guy that's jumped up and down. He was up at the top line when Evander came, was suspended for a game. Now he's back down in the third line. You've got Couture playing with Hurl to Centerman on the second line. Uh, Pavelski will jump from center to right wing, depending on who plays with him in the middle and on the side. So, I mean, it, it really has spread out the wealth, I think, and the talent on the team. As a result, they've had to play a more team-oriented game. And that's how Peter DeBoer likes to run his bench. And um, if you look at the ice time dispersal in these, between these two teams in the first four games of the series, San Jose's been better at getting players out on the ice on a more regular basis. So, therefore, Peter DeBoer is using his bench better right now in the first four games. Las Vegas Golden Knights are going to probably make some changes tonight and get some fresh bodies in the lineup. But for San Jose right now, they're just, everybody's involved. And that's, you know, what the forte was for Vegas coming into the series, what it was for San Jose. I'm impressed with how San Jose has been able to stay with Vegas' speed. And if I had to if I had to take a guess on who I think has been the most controlled in the series, it would be San Jose. Even though up until yesterday, they hadn't had the lead for very much in the series. They were playing from behind or tied for most of the, most of the three games until game four where they came out, got the lead in the first period, and held it for the whole game. Um, but in saying that, it's been a really tight series. Aside from game one, the seven nothing in game four, games two and three, both overtime wins could have gone either way. They were great games, and I expect the same in game number five. I think it will be a real hard-fought game in game number five because both teams have now figured each other out and now know exactly what they have to do to have their best games. It's who can go out there and, uh, and execute the best. You know what, Louie? Uh, for me, Vegas, the thing about that team all season long, they just keep coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. Now, the one thing that happened was the late long shot goal that got past uh, Fleury, who's been, and that's the other part of the equation. You got to have the guy stopping the puck. Yeah. He's been stopping the puck. And to me, there was a, it was the first time we saw a little bit of a let off after that, right? Like they, yeah. but it, it must be stated. A little like, chink in the armor. Right. You know, when but, you let up a long one like that. Yeah. and. It did go right through the went through the shin pads of Braden McNabb, right. and I and I heard Kelly Rudy on the panel mention that it, it definitely changed direction. I didn't see it on my take when I first watched it, but it could have certainly changed direction and probably had him guessing a bit. But still, that's pretty far out yeah. late in the period. That's a two nothing lead going into the second. I thought, I thought we saw for the first time a San Jose team that came out in the second period and played with a team that played with the lead. They were loose, they were comfortable, they were making tape-to-tape passes, they were controlling the puck and managing it well. And Vegas could never really get back on board, and they were choppy with the puck, they were sloppy, they weren't reading plays. Um, it was the first time we saw them disoriented. Now, in saying that, they still created some great opportunity. They, they still did dial it in for portions of that game, where if they would have got that goal, it would have made it a 2-1 goal, a 3-1 goal, the yep. next thing you know, here we go, they're coming back again. But they just never got that goal because of Martin Jones. Martin Jones' best game of the series, in my opinion. I thought he came out, and he point-blank stopped Eric Howell and made him miss left, and then he point-blank stopped Riley Smith, one one off the post from John Merrill in the first period. Could have been a completely different period if one, two, or three of those go in the net for the Vegas Golden Knights. But he settled in and just closed the door. All right, Louis DeRoss joining us. Louis, we've got to make this segment quick. So just a quick rip on the Boston series against Tampa Bay. Uh, Jake's taking a physical beating in that. He's, uh, he's, he's taking hits to make plays, to get pucks off the glass and out. Uh, that series has turned a bit for me. Uh, yep. Now, I, and, and for the record, Lou, I had Nashville and Tampa, but I want Winnipeg and Boston to win the respective series. What does Boston need from, and I know you're paying attention to it and watching, what does Boston need to do differently here to uh, even this puppy up? 
Well, you know what? You you bring up a good point, and it's, it's Tampa's been more physical, I think, than Boston expected. Yep. And they're, they're a team that plays hard on pucks, they're quick on pucks. So not only are they they're they are they they're quick to get to a puck, they're there quickly to give you a pop too. And there's guys that aren't afraid to run around. And it, it is has been a grindy series right now. Tampa's got Boston on their heels, I think, too often. They're quicker than them. They're playing faster. So Boston has to get back to making sure they're putting pucks where they can get a good forecheck, making sure they turn the big defensemen to Tampa Bay, play them down low, draw more penalties, um, get more shots on Vasilevsky. I, I do not think they've tested Vasilevsky enough. I think they've been too perimeter. They have to try and get to the inside as much as possible. But you're playing against a formidable team here. This is a, this is a really good Tampa Bay Lightning team. If you can tell right now they're feeling it, they're rolling lines, everybody's contributing. In Boston now, it's up to them to try and get some of the momentum back in game number four because this is a big one at home. Down 2-1, you do not want to go back to Tampa down 3-1. Um, this is a huge game for them. Louie, uh, we'll be watching you tonight. I can honestly say that because, you know, it's Friday night at 8 o'clock, and that's what guys in the early 50s do. They watch NHL yeah. playoff hockey at this time of the year. With well, I hope it's a good for you, bud. All right, all good, man. We'll hook up next week, okay? Sounds good. Say hi to Dave Randorf. That's Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 143 in Edmonton. We're going to get an update from Edmonton Oil Kings general manager, Randy Hanch. They had the WHL Bantam draft yesterday. They acquired a couple 20-year-old forwards with some scoring that could help them uh, next season. Uh, so we'll hook up with Randy and get to NH, uh, this day in Oilers history and some of your texts as well in the final 15 minutes of Oilers now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 147 uh, during the course of the playoffs every Tuesday and Thursday in Oilers. Now Mark Spector joins us for Horse Racing Alberta. HRA, watch and wager on live racing and the Kentucky Derby this Saturday at uh, Northlands Park as we get her started. All right, uh, we're going to bring aboard Edmonton Oil Kings General Manager Randy Hanch. He is back from Red Deer where the WHL Bantam Draft took place yesterday. Edmonton had the number one overall pick. Randy, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Stop. How are you? Good. You were uh, one of the architects of the Oil Kings run where they uh, went to the WHL final three years in a row. There was a cyclical nature in uh, major junior hockey, unless you're cheating. Uh, so, uh, and I know we always chuckle over this. Uh, it's always been my feeling that, uh, hey, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And so, obviously, uh, kudos to London and Quebec City. But with all seriousness, uh, Randy, uh, two WHL championships, a Memorial Cup in 2014, the last for the WHL, last in the last decade. But you guys have gone through a bit of a down cycle, uh, and, and now you get the number one overall pick. Given the mindset heading into the draft from an organizational philosophy, what you tried to uh, get, you had multiple picks, two in the first round, uh, three in the top 23. What were you guys looking to address and do, Randy? Well, yeah, you touched on it there. I thought that uh, it's like Golden Junior Hockey, and, and uh, we had a good run there for uh, the three years. and. It's just part of it, and uh, we started the process two years ago, and and uh, went through it and had a lot of pick. Uh, 
where we selected Jake Neighbors last year and, and then kind of went through the process again this year. Uh, you're kind of mixed when you have the first overall pick because, like I said before, you have it for a reason that probably you're not happy with because of where you finish. But also, once you are there and uh, you go through the lotto itself, you want to retain that pick. So we were pleased to, uh, to keep the pick and, uh, in the end, uh, select uh, Dylan Gunther. Uh, we wanted to get some speed, some skill. And, uh, you know, throughout the draft, and we felt that uh, Jamie and his uh, scouting staff accomplished that. Uh, all right, so Neighbors is a forward, Gunther is a forward this after drafting two defensemen. Uh, the two previous years, off the top of my head, uh, I'm Ethan Cap and Matthew Robertson. So now you got forwards number four, number one overall. Uh, Neighbors, I would assume, is going to be on the team this year as a 16-year-old. Gunther is a year away. What made, uh, you know, are we talking about a guy that's a prolific scorer at the uh, Bantam AAA level? What type of player is he? Yeah, you touched on it. He's just got the natural ability to score. Uh, he's always scored goals, uh, put up big numbers that way. And uh, like I said, you can never have enough goal scoring. So it was important that uh, for us to uh, make that selection, and we felt quote, quite comfortable uh, with it being Dylan. Um, you're following up with Jake last year. Uh, both players can play center and can play the wing. Uh, so there's a lot of flexibility in their game, and, uh, you know, uh, depending on what happens, but I mean, possibly playing together, you know, uh, for a few years uh, down the road. All right, uh, you had a, uh, another late first round pick and an early second round pick. Uh, give us the names of the kids and the positions and what they bring. Well, uh, Keegan Slaney, you know, he's just your prototypical junior defenseman. Uh, good leadership out of Airdrie. Uh, their team actually won the Alberta Bantam uh, Major League and uh, lost in overtime uh, in uh, the Westerns, but. Plays an all-around honest game. Uh, can skate with the puck. Uh, very active. Can defend well and actually uh, run a power play. So, just a real complete game for him and a uh, real solid character uh, person. And then, uh, did you want to go through all the kids? Or, well, just or, the early second round pick because you had another oh, okay. pick at like 23 or 24, right? Yeah, yes, we did. 23. We had Kobe Verbicki, uh Honest two-way player. Uh, plays left wing uh, from Victoria. Played in the Yale Academy. And just constantly got better uh, throughout the year, and uh, just a very responsible game. So you can see him blended in also in the lineup. And then we had uh, the two third round picks: uh, Tech defenseman uh, Matt Smith, active defenseman, uh, decent size. Uh, again, first pass can skate. Uh, and then along with uh, Carson Latimer, a right winger, uh, very good skating right winger that uh, has a nice touch around the net. So overall, we're really pleased with those first. Uh, first three-round selections along with, with the other ones. Um, even uh, Michael Abergrell, he took in the fourth round. He actually played on the Seafair team that beat uh, uh, King Slaney's Airdrie team in the, in the final for the Western. So uh, overall, uh, we're quite confident the way the day went. You got an extra third-round pick because you moved some 17-year-olds off your roster, and you did pick up a couple 20-year-olds. Uh, we're joined by Randy Hanch. He's the general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and uh, Again, after a, a stretch where they won three consecutive seasons of 50-plus wins, that was finally bested last year by Chris Knobloch and the Erie Otters, the first major junior team ever to have four straight 50-plus win seasons. Oil Kings did it three years in a row. Um, you're, you're in a situation where you're in a rebuild, but you, you were devoid of 20-year-olds, and you you got some 20-year-olds that can probably help you up front a bit offensively. So maybe tell us about the, the two trades that you uh, made uh, to address that, one with Moose Jaw and one with Kamloops. Yeah, no, it was important. We've had conversations for a little bit here uh, with both teams, and uh, in the end that uh, we were able to, to complete uh, both both trades we thought were important. 
uh, where you can solidify and bring in two 20-year-olds, you know, right away instead of going through the summer and trying to get something done or waiting or even at uh, the start of next season. And I, I think it's important for the players, too. They know where they're going to be, and that's where they can get focused, you know, and to be in the direction to be in Edmonton for next season. Uh, and Vince Lachevel, uh has the ability to score. Uh, put up 29 goals two years ago, got scored 19 last year. So we're counting on him to be, you know, offensive part of our hockey club. Uh, and Quinn Benjafield, uh, same thing. These, you know, these players have kind of played in their system for about three, four years. Uh, obviously, Benny got moved to Moose at the deadline. Um, but Quinn has been in Camels for four years, and it's just going to be a fresh start for him. And again, at uh, you know around 20 goals a year, so we expect him to contribute offensively with our group too. Randy, we appreciate the time. Thank you for the update with the, all the moves the Oil Kings made yesterday at the WHL Bantam Draft, and we'll surely be touching base down the road. Perfect. Thanks, Tom. You bet. That is Randy Hanch. He is the general manager of the uh, Edmonton uh, Oil Kings. Boy, I got a lot of uh, texts over the last uh, 48 to 72 hours from guys around the league. Uh, some interesting players out there. I know I texted out yesterday Serge Lajoie, who was the head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears. They won the uh, U Sports National Championship. Uh, uh, his son, Mark Lajoie, at 14, six foot three, 205-pound left-shot defenseman. If he can come close to skating the way his dad could, uh, he's going to be on his way because his dad was uh, the U Sports uh, Player of the Year back in 1992-93. The Bears had won in 92, and Lajoie was actually in the Bears' second pairing. That's when Ian Herbers, who just left the Oilers staff, his contract was up and has gone back to the University of Alberta. Ian Herbers and Corey Cross progressed out of the U of A program at that time to the National Hockey League. Um, there were some there were some good players taken. There were some pretty exciting uh, kids moving forward. So biggest change I think we've seen with the WHL has been a movement towards more skill. It's been much needed in that regard. Again, the WHL final starts tonight. Uh, Swift Current Broncos, three terrific offensive players, drivers for their power play. Their power play the last two years has been over 30%. Swift Current against Everett. Everett's got Carter Hart in goal. Mateo Gennaro, by the way, is an Edmonton area product out of St. Albert. Uh, was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets unsigned. I'm hearing rumors that the Buffalo Sabres are in on potentially signing him as a 20-year-old out of Swift Current. To this day in Oilers history, uh, and I'm taking Everett in six because Stuart Skinner's the Oilers guy. Carter Hart's the best goaltender WHL has uh, had since Carey Price. So put it this way. If Swift wins the series, Dave Campbell, do you know who the WHL MVP is going to be? Stuart Skinner. Stuart Skinner will be the MVP if mm-hmm. they win. They end up winning it. And right now he's got a better uh, goals against average than Carter Hart through the first three rounds of the playoffs. It's which going to be a pretty fun series to watch. It is going to be a fun series to watch. To this day in Oilers history, brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company. We've got great Oilers now, road trip packages. Uh, we've only got, I think, two spots left. So Germany and Sweden. May 4th, 1985. Oh, greatest series of all time. Well, one of them. Highest scoring series in NHL history. The Edmonton Oilers crushed the Chicago Blackhawks by a score of 11-2 in Game 1 of the Campbell Conference Final. Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry, and Charlie Huddy each scored a pair of goals. It was the 11th straight playoff win for the Oilers dating back to the uh, 1984 Stanley Cup Final. They'd win Game 1, they'd win Game 2, then they'd lose Game 3 and Game 4 in Chicago, come back and win Game 5 in Edmonton and Game 6 in Chicago. It was May 4th, 1985. Uh, Yari Curry scored more goals in that playoff series than any other player in NHL history in one playoff series. Highest scoring uh, playoff series in NHL history. It only won six games. Uh, one of the goaltenders, Warren score against me. 
I mean Skordensky. Uh, wasn't that what they used to say about uh, Warren Skordensky? Uh, uh, this day in order, Murray Bannerman was the other one that the Blackhawks had at that time. This day in order's history brought to you by New West Travel. Again, we got the order's road trip to Sweden and Germany. Visit newwesttravel.com for more information. Coming up tonight on Inside Sports with the multi-talented Reed Wilkins. Dave, you put the show together. Who do I got? Rob Brown, Oilers Radio Network in-game analyst. Uh, talk about the playoffs and also Dylan Gunter. He knows him very, very well. He uh, he did some coaching with Mr. Gunter. So we we'll uh, talk, get some insight on him from Mr. Brown. And longtime Edmonton Journal sports writer Curtis Stock. Of course, he's a big horse racing guy. He is. He says tonight he's going to predict the winner of the Kentucky Derby tomorrow on Reed's show. So listen up. Monday, we'll have John Shannon on the show. Everybody have a terrific weekend. Hope you get to do all the different things you want to do. I'll be watching a lot of hockey. Hopefully Canada plays better. They got South Korea, international powers in hockey. Coming up on Sunday, take Canada plus six. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 afternoon news with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Everybody have a great weekend. Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched.